everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for our 2022 Open Mic Finale. Get ready for another episode full of learning, laughter, and new ideas for readers and writers. Check out writingworkswonders.com and discover the energizing power of our weekly writing prompts. Many people are posting their responses because these writing prompts are terrific creativity boosters. Whether you're a new or experienced writer, you will enjoy participating in this free activity. Just visit writingworkswonders.com and click Writing Prompts. You'll find all the details there, and you can also read the responses. We know you'll enjoy this very special episode as our community of authors share their original writings, and some also share writings on the theme of Thanksgiving. So fire up your earbuds and prepare for an entertaining learning adventure with your fellow bibliophiles at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Kathy King. My fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I are so very pleased to introduce you to the 2022 Open Mic Finale. Take it away, Chanel. First up, Abby Johnson-Taylor. The first one is called Holiday Hardship. Thanksgiving is coming. Already a friend far away asks if I have plans. I'll spend Christmas in the tropics with my brother. But Thanksgiving's up in the air with no husband, father, mother. Other relatives have plans. At least I don't have to clean the house, shop, prepare food for 12 people, pick up after everyone, deal with leftovers while men watch football, women fail to be helpful, children run around, scream, argue, cry. It's not the same. And the next poem I'll read is called Learning French. In the high school classroom, as I read the story in the textbook, I'm in France with Guy and Suzanne, basking on a sunny beach or drinking wine in an outdoor cafe. As French dance music fills the room from the tape accompanying the lesson, I find myself in the arms of a handsome monsieur after a meal of chicken and wine sauce topped off with chocolate mousse. We whirl around the room. The school bells clang, jolts me back. I rise, follow others out of the classroom, resigned to being a teenager in Wyoming. And the last poem I'll read is called A Day in Lorraine's Life. Up with the rooster, she milks cows, feeds and waters stock, gathers eggs, shovels manure. After breakfast, it's off to the bus barn. She picks up children from 
from neighboring farms drives them 20 miles to school. After that, she goes to the YMCA, jumps in the pool once, twice, three times, encourages adults to jog, jump, breaststroke while sitting on kickboards, teaches little kids to swim, make sure no one drowns. In the afternoon, back in her school bus, she drives kids home. When she returns to the farm, there's milking to do, stock to feed and water, manure to shovel, supper to fix, and oh yes, she must bake cookies for her water exercise classes. They, tomorrow's the last day. They should be rewarded. It is called giving thanks. It's time to give thanks. Whether you express gratitude to an eternal God or another higher power, being grateful is nice. I'm thankful for life, family, and friends. I'm grateful for technology and the ability to use it. I appreciate my musical talent and opportunities to share. On Thanksgiving Day, I'll be thankful for turkey with all the trims. The end. Thank you. And Geppetta. I have three poems. The first one is from my um, collection, Words of Life. It's called Quiet Fall. After the accumulation, crack open the window. Admit the illicit cold. Like a secret lover who slips in over the sill. Savor the taste of cold skies, tooth-aching. The brace of damp musk burns nostrils like arctic smoke. An ear bent to the opening hears chilled perfection. The sound, ice on ice, sweeps the ground unreplicable. Bridget's passionate lips entice the glass. I close the window, end our embrace, covet the maelstrom from afar. Leave the cold fire to reclaim the world with possessiveness born of nature and frigid lore. My next poem is called Snowplow. Prismatic chips clatter against glass frames. Wind-driven opaque collection heaped to infinity. Blacktop and tarmac await the scrape as Gaia tucks in sleepy grasses with frosty maternal hands. Chink-a-chink. Metal dentures rumble past. Chink-a-chink. Chink-a-chink. Steel maw cleaves the twilight rose of white-topped ground, unmasked. This next one um, has a sensitivity warning um, because it talks about um, a a dead animal, Uh, but it's brief and it's not very explicit, but I felt that I had to give a sensitivity warning on it. This poem is called Born in Winter. I was reared in winter, tumbled in drifts as deep as my hips, 
made snow angels and an igloo in Pop's sleeping garden. Daddy taught me how to fillet fish. Butcher, dear, waste nothing or its spirit will be sad. I brought the head to Pop. My sisters disappeared into the bathroom. Bambi's mother is dead. I'm a child of a hunter, a wife of a hunter. I understand their desire imprinted upon their souls before they were born. But I'm thankful for supermarkets. The end. Thanks a lot. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Marlene Massat. The Poet's Gift, Ballad by Marlene Massat. The poet wrote herself a note. She seemed to have fallen into a mope. New ideas she could not evoke. New ideas stayed at bay. Her confidence went astray. It seemed she had lost her way. Was there no remedy for her peeve? Did she a gift need to receive? What more could she achieve? Writer's block had taken hold. Her style was no longer bold. Would her story finish untold? What more could she do? Her life felt askew. Over her mind spread a hue. She went to sit on the lake dock. Time stretched with the hands of the clock. Until a stranger to shore a rowboat brought. The man had seen her coming round the bend. Which brought him to this lake end. He said... He was visiting a friend. The man's smile was plain. He had no fortune or fame. He did not take life in vain. Would you like to go for a row? This lake is long, as you know. The water will sway to and fro. She smiled as she got into the boat. Would this help her spirit to float? Her heart pricked with a twinge of hope. She said, I'm a hopeless romantic, but right now my addled brain is frantic. An idea, I cannot plant it. He replied, A reporter I am, it is true. I write and report on the news. The truth, there is no ruse. He continued, But in my spare time, I write fantasy, mystery, and rhyme. Why not get together sometime? As she took in the sight of the lakeshore, the sky, and high kite, a wave washed away her fright. The bright-colored kite floated through The gentle breeze as it blew. He smiled. Her spirit felt renewed. They talked as ideas ebbed and flowed. With quiet gentleness as he rode. Water lapped around their souls. The end.
Next up, we have Carol Mackey. Thank you. Thank you all. <clears throat> Got two poems to read. I expect. <laughs> Expectations, what a word. It's good and bad, right and wrong. And with hindsight, can be absurd. I might arrive expecting choice, and there may be none, but that's okay. Sometimes I expect the worst, and there is wonderful things that work. In the next poem, called Good Yuck. This was one of those days I'm glad to stay home. It was cold and dark and gray. The sun left us alone. We had some snow and then it rained. No ice, I'm glad to say. Aren't you glad to hear this poem and hear about my day? The end. Thank you. Trish Hubsman, who will be read by Marlene Massat. Okay, I have two poems by Trish Hubsman, and they are both answers to prompts. Memories by Trish Hubsman. I have so many of them tucked away, but never too far. I can take one out when I need it to think about it. The Bird by Trish Hubsman. How long does it take to cook a turkey, Mommy? I thought about it. About seven hours. But I'm hungry, she whined. It was only six in the morning. We'll be having breakfast when Daddy comes downstairs. She raced from the room. I heard her squeal. My husband said, there's my little turkey. The end. Alice Massa. Thank you very much to everyone. And I have a poem that is also the, the prompt, except I'm reading it now because it's probably a little longer. It's a 21-line poem, and it is entitled Toby Tobias, Turkey Extraordinaire. Toby Tobias, Turkey Extraordinaire. Wanted to fly like an eagle in the air. Toby, dear Toby, you ought to want to be you. But flying like an eagle is what I want to do. Toby, dear Toby, eagles perch high. Their soaring is graceful, but close to the sky. Listen here. I am not afraid of heights. My primary concern is frozen animal rights. Yes, of course, Toby, but Benjamin Franklin did want to make you the national bird. Let me remind you on that subject, old Ben did not have the last word. All those modern-day pilgrims have something else in mind. Roasted turkey, 
that his eye and the tasty trimmings for all of mankind. You know the eagle is thought of as glorious and great, while I, on the other wing, am thought of as, well, scrumptious when served on a plate. Thus, on this Thanksgiving day, my plan is to fly and let everyone else eat sweet potato pie. The end. Thank you and my best wishes to all of you for a very tasty and blessed Thanksgiving. Thank you, Alice. And we do have Carol Farnsworth with us. I'm going to read from my uh, blog this week, which is Winter with a Vengeance, and end with one of my poems from my book, Leaf Memories. Winter with a Vengeance. This week, we awoke to rain, snow, and 22-mile-an-hour winds. What a contrast from last week, which was 75 degrees and sunny. I guess winter is here. My husband went to get the bird feeder warmer so that the birds can have water during the winter and also bought some nice sunflower seeds to keep them warm in the winter. The squirrels are looking for different places to stay The turkeys are hiding, and I noticed that even the deer are hiding because it's deer hunting season. Now, I have nothing against deer hunting. I come from a family of hunters, but I do think it's a little unfair to hunt deer when they have other things on their mind, such as mating. But it is a tradition in our family that the men go hunting. One of my favorite stories is one about my grandpa and father going hunting for the last time. Grandpa had had two strokes, but dearly wanted to try hunting one more time. So dad agreed and took him to the Upper Peninsula to hunt. He drove him as close as he could to the blind and walked him in. He settled him with blankets a big thermos of coffee, a camping chair, and a prompt to hold his rifle up. Okay, Dad, I'm going to take a walk around. If you need me, shoot your rifle three times. Bruce, I'll be fine. Go on now. I'll see you in a couple hours. So Dad walked, and a couple hours later, he came back. Grandpa was just finishing the last of the coffee. And Dad was surprised. He looked in the tree, and there was a six-point buck hanging. How did you get that? Well, Bruce, let me tell you. I was just getting my cup of coffee when a deer came running down the trail. I was so surprised, I lifted my gun and shot. Got him right in the heart. Now what am I going to do? Well... Another hunter came, and we discussed what to do. He said he would help me dress it and hang it in the tree 
because I didn't want it. I offered it to him. He said, great. So they had got to see the last year that grandpa got. Several months later, he died. But that lore lives on in our family. Now the poem, The Scare. On a moonless night, the wind rattles the last of the hanging leaves. Voices of dead things gone and lost in the night are heard. Disturbing, disturbing, same, I'm changing the word, same movement on top of the hill. I walk out to the porch. Spirit, ghost, or evening mist. Instead, a deer with one antler, weary from fall mating, wearily walks across the yard, looking for a place to lay for the night. I close the door quietly, thinking the callousness of the world. The end. Deanna Noriega? Finisher is an excerpt from the very first anthology that the Behind Our Eyes group um, wrote. And this is one of my stories. I'm doing an excerpt because the story is too long to read to you today. But if you want to find out more about it, um, you can get the Behind Our Eyes book from the from NLS, both in a Braille version and an audio version. It's Behind Our Eyes, Writers with Disabilities, and it's edited by uh, Marilyn Brant Smith. So this is in, I'm going to read it from the Braille version. At the sound of a key turning in the lock of the kitchen door, Lisa glanced at the clock too early for Mama. She froze on her knees beside the little Christmas tree. With her heart fluttering like a frightened bird beating its wings, she cowered, listening hard to identify the sounds from the dark kitchen. Someone wearing heavy boots moved across the one linoleum. Lisa, girl, why aren't you in bed? Came Grandpa's quiet voice. Did I scare you? Oh, I was waiting up for Mama, breathed Lisa, as relief surged through her small frame when Grandpa stepped into the light. I just came to put some things under the tree, murmured Grandpa. I made this leather handbag for your mama. This old walking stick of mine came out pretty good as a stick horse for Ryan. Then I have this bag of smooth stones from the creek and a slingshot I made for Mike. Lisa smiled as he held up each item. Oh, Grandpa, the beads on the purse for Mama are wonderful. Ryan will love the pony, but you better tell Mike not to let Grandma see him using that slingshot near the house. Don't I know it, chuckled the old man. I have this for you, little Blossom, he said, handing Lisa a large brown paper bag twisted closed at the top. That's Indian wrap, isn't it? He smiled down at his small granddaughter. Open it now, cause Grandma will bring stuff she made for you in the morning, and she wouldn't understand. Lisa looked into the bag to find a gallon jug of dill pickles. Across the lid in Grandpa's loopy scrawl was written, Something to balance out all the sugar in the sweetest granddaughter ever born. I took that and pay for cutting some firewood from my uh, big elk. 
she makes the best pickles on the rest. But don't you tell your grandma I said so, grinned Grandpa. I won't, promised Lisa. Oh, grandpa, you know how much I love sour things. Mama didn't have much chance to put up any pickles this year, working all the time like she does. Now, sweet thing, don't you go eating them all at once, making yourself sick, he cautioned. I won't. I'll make them last until the sweet grass, uh, the sour grass comes up again, smiled Lisa shyly as she held out the small parcel containing the gift she'd made for him. This is for you. Grandpa carefully unfolded the Peanuts cartoon wrapped around the package. The look of pride in his dark eyes made Lisa feel as good as if she'd had been able to spend $20 to find something out of the Sears Wish Book catalog. Good work on the daisy chain beads, granddaughter. It won't be long before your lumen beadwork is pretty as anything sold at the Palos. Did I see some stuff ready to make Mama a hot drink when she gets home? Could you spare another cup for an old man? Of course, Grandpa. It's time to heat the kettle now. Mama will be home in a Another ten minutes. Mary Swan was tired and cold. She trudged through the deep snow from where she parked her old rusted-out Ford to the tiny house across the road from her parents' place. She was startled to find the salad door unlocked. Mary opened it and discovered her father and her eldest child seated at the pine table in the cozy lighted room beyond. Ah, what brings you out so late? And why aren't you in bed, Lisa? She asked. I wanted to wait up for you, Mama, explained Lisa. Grandpa came to keep me company. I made us all some Ovaltine. Come sit down here, girl. You must be near frozen. It's bitter cold out tonight. I will have tomorrow off at least, Mary sighed. Then all the folks who didn't get the right sizes or don't like what they got. Um... Will be driving us crazy, wanting exchanges. The truckers will be hitting in the road, needing hot coffee and the blue plate special under their ribs to keep them on the roads. No rest for the wicked, you know. There ain't a wicked bone in your body, Winona, nor in his firstborn daughter of yours, neither. I doubt you thought that when I ran off to Mary Isaac Swan, replied Mary, warming her chilled hands around the thick brown mug her eldest child handed her. She thought back to the frightened 17-year-old girl she'd been giving birth to this dark-haired girl child in an army hospital miles from her own mother and her people. Foolish maybe, but never wicked he said, resting a worn hand on his daughter's slender wrist. Any heartache she gave us, you more than made up by giving us these three grandchildren. For me too, said Mary, as a beautiful smile lit her tired face. Now you jump into bed, Blossom, and get it warm. That's nice for me. I'll just wash up these cups and be right behind you in a couple of minutes. Night, Grandpa. Night, Mama, called Lisa as she sped out of the room. I wish we could help you more. People don't seem to use ash split baskets much these days, and prices are down, he sighed. You and Mama help a lot, 
seeing as how you've got four young and still in school yourself. And I'll end it there because I'm running out of my five minute time. Um, the story is called Christmas Pickles and it's based on um, a Christmas gift from my grandpa when I was 10. So um, it will be featured in an upcoming book that I am preparing to send to the publisher, which covers the adventures of my brothers and I when we return to the res after our parents' divorce in um, the 50s. And um, so it's it's a story of life of a single mom with three youngsters back on the Isabella Reservation in Michigan. Thank you. Carla Hayes. What I'm going to share with you is a little unusual. It is a poem that I originally wrote in French. And then it translated um, or transliterated. So I translated the ideas and some of the words, and it worked very well into English. So I'm going to read both versions of the poem because it's short. And I'll read the English version first and then the French, because if you hear the English, it'll give you the idea. But the mood should um, prevail in both translations. It's called In Autumn. It is fall, it is fall, the saddest season of them all. Everything cries in this season. Everything dies without reason. Like the purest and most beautiful dream that is destroyed by the world so mean, the leaf of summer turns to gold and begins to die because it is old. Like dreams broken by reality's law, Leaves are crushed beneath foot and paw, and the dead and decayed remains seep into the soil with the soft autumn rains. It is fall, it is fall, the saddest season of them all. Everything cries in this season, everything dies without reason. And now the French version of the poem. En automne. En automne, en automne, la saison triste est mon automne. Tout se plaire en cette saison. Tout se mère sans raison. Comme la rêverie si pure et belle qui est détruite par le monde cruel. Le fruit de l'été se fait dorer et commence à mourir et tomber. Comme les rêves rompus par la réalité, les filles sont froisées sous pattes et pieds. Et le dépouille purante et pourrie sointe sous le sol et se sont finis. En automne, en automne, la saison triste est monotone. Tout se plaire en cette saison, tout se mère sans raison. La fin, the end. Let's go mm-hmm. to Pam Johnson in Zoom. Yes, thank you. This is a story I hadn't done in a while. It's um, called Zack and the Goblet. 
Well, one day, Zach, in a town called Wooded Sky, a little bit further than Plymouth Rock, in the 1600s, he had a print shop all set up and working on it very hard to get a next flyer out about Thanksgiving. He smiled and said, oh, well, we've got plenty of game around here. And all of a sudden, right behind him, he heard, gobble, 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 gobble. And he turned around, shocked. And there in front of him was a live turkey flapping his wings, gobble, gobble, walking around, strutting having his time while that just stood there. Then he started, he started flapping and dancing around. And the turkey came over to Zach and rubbed against his arm. And Zach said, oh, my gosh, a real turkey. I think you'll be our Thanksgiving dinner. But then the turkey rubbed against him some more and gobbled a little bit more. And Zach said, oh, no, I, wait a minute. I can't make you the turkey. I can't make you the turkey Thanksgiving. I have to have you as a pet. I'll call you Goblet. And the turkey somehow took a signal and just flapped its wings and almost flew off the floor, but he was a little bit too heavy for that. And all of a sudden, he grabbed the cloth. He ran out. He gobbled, he gobbled and he dashed out the door if a turkey can ever dash around. Zach went after him. He said, wait a minute, I need that cloth. Bring it back, you, you animal. And so he caught up with the turkey and grabbed the cloth. And he got back. But he thought he would be uh, a rid of the animal. But the turkey followed him back into the print shop. And all of a sudden, a friend of his came in named Isaac. Isaac looked at the turkey and Zach. He said, what in the heck is going on? And uh, Zach said, meet my new friend, Goblet. And the goblet went up and looked at him and then backed away. And his friend, Isaac, said, oh, my gosh, our Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, Zach, you just did it again this time. Last year, you fixed up a great dish, and now this year, you brought us a turkey. And Zach said, no, no, I can't do that. He's my friend. He's, he, he's my pet. I've, I've got a pet turkey. And Isaac looked at him and said, you cannot have a turkey here. I mean, it just wouldn't be proper. Then all of a sudden, a woman came in. Grace, oh, Grace, you're here, said Zach. Uh, yes. Oh, I wanted to know. This animal here, I heard, oh my gosh, I heard that gobble and I wondered what the heck was going on over here. Oh my gosh. Then she all of a sudden dashed out and and uh, the two guys looked at each other and said, I don't think she could quite take seeing a turkey, a uh, live one like this. Well, anyway, uh, Zach and Isaac laughed. And and Isaac said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll see you later, okay? Um, Isaac, Isaac decided to uh, shut down the shop for a while. So he left, well, and leaving the turkey inside, and he pecked around, and he pecked all over everything. Of course, Isaac had, of course, Zach had everything covered. But they decided, the men walked around and thought about what in the heck are we going to do? I know we've got plenty of game around here. 
Then everybody crowded over to the print shop and they said, hey, Grace just told us well, you got a turkey over here. So he said, well, yeah, and so we've got to get inside to see it. So he opened his print shop and all of a sudden in all the hubbub, the turkey gobbled and, and dashed out. If a turkey, like I said, could dash, but he could run. Believe me, turkey, this turkey could run. And he all of a sudden ran, he all of a sudden dashed out and he went towards the woods, hopping and hobbling and doing what turkeys do and flapping his wings. All of a sudden, the guy said, wait a minute, follow that turkey. So Isaac grabbed a gun and both men, Zach and Isaac, ran into the woods while the hubbub was going on. And they ran into the woods and following Goblet, Goblet, stop that turkey. And all of a sudden, Goblet came to this clearing. A bunch of wild turkeys was there. And Isaac said, oh, my gosh, all these wild turkeys. Oh, my gosh, we're going to have a feast. And Goblet got among his friends. And Isaac said, we can't shoot his friends. Zach said, you're right, we can't. And so all of a sudden, one of the turkeys started pecking Goblet. And so Zach and Isaac both looked at each other. And Isaac took the gun and shot the wild turkey that was pecking Goblet. And all of a sudden, they said, and all the other turkeys scattered. And all of a sudden, they had a turkey to take back as well as Goblet. And they said, oh, my gosh, Goblet, you did it this time. And so the whole group at Wooded Sky had a feast of corn, berries, and deer, and wild turkey invited their Indian friends, too, as well. And Goblet was the guest of honor, and he had berries, corn, and bread. The end. <laughs> Thanksgiving. How fortunate we are to be here in this country and how much we have to be thankful for technology, food to eat, homes to be in, family, friends. We have a whole lot to be thankful for and the freedoms and so much we have that they didn't have years and years ago. In the 16th century, the 17th century, and even the 18th century, we have come a long way and God has blessed us and we and I hope that we can all remember and keep in mind that we should never take freedom and anything we have for granted. We should all reach out to others around the world and help others where we can and hopefully be mindful all the day that we have and we should give to others who do not have and embrace the love and share it with others. Thank you. Jane Tolino. All right, Jane, go right ahead. So what I've been writing on lately is a very short, um, full of anguish and some righteous anger called writing W R I T I N G wrongs. So it's, you know, it just starts out, name it, list them, name it, piss them. 
Yell if you have to. Stamp your feet if you must. But don't keep it in. Don't keep it in. And that's where I am with it. I'm really working on that. Um, because I think it's, it, it, it's, what I, it's what I need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to work on a book called 365 Snapshots. And that will be one of them. Just brief word pictures for reflection. That's what I'm working on. Thank you. Good for you. Good luck with that. In any way well, we can support you in that. Mm-hmm. I, I will email you because, um, yeah, I need to do that and, and, mm-hmm. and um, acknowledge it. I really want to work with some editors and some mm-hmm. coaching. I have way too much stuff waiting to be done something with. I want to get it out the door. Anyway, thank you both. And uh, I love knowing that given the differences in my life now that I don't get to be free to go on, I need to be available rather than have what's on my schedule today. I just need to be available to Tom and what has to happen here. So it's a different time for me. And knowing you're there is a huge plus, plus, plus. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been really great, everyone. The next prompt for the next couple weeks is going to be Catty Wampus. C-A-T-T-Y-W-A-M-P-U-S. 75 words or less, a genre of your choice. We really hope all of you have a wonderful holiday. Those of you celebrating, Kathy and I are so grateful for all of you. And I want to let you all know that December 2nd, we have Susan Mallory will be on with us. (laughs) She did a short video for us. I'm also going to share it as an MP3 so that either way you'll be able to hear her. She holds up her book in the beginning. She's so excited about her new book. She's excited about being with us. We are excited about having her with us. (laughs) I can't tell you. I'm so excited. And anytime you have suggestions, please keep sending them to us because it takes a lot of contacts to send out to get the responses that we get. We've been very fortunate, but it takes a lot of uh, letters to get the yeses. And don't we all know that as far as sending out your manuscripts, your stories, your contests, it's just diligence being diligent. I love all of you. I think you're all fabulous. Believe in yourself. And if you can't believe in yourself, let someone else or us believe in you and help you to believe in yourself. We all work together. It's not a competition. It's about working together. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347 467 
We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.